I've been doing this for, um, this is 2020. I've been doing this since, uh, ooh, 20, 2013. And right now I'm at the point where I, I have to turn away work. I can't do it all. There is enough to, I, I could be doing this full time if I, if I wanted to and if I had the time to. So that's, that's in essence what I do. I take, take mums and I find their real talents and um, innate purpose in life and help them turn it into an online business find a niche or find something that you are passionate about um that you truly believe in because i think if you don't have that passion you're not going to have that drive for that business um and certainly for me is finding making sure you find that if you if you're a mother or a father making sure you find time to have that balance of your children and the business um and and really go for it is my i do i do think you know what go for things you only get this life once Hello, this is Mothers Matter podcast and I'm Claire Pay. Um, today I've in- I'm interviewing three different people about making money from home uh, because however much you want to care for your children and prioritise your children, sometimes you really need to make ends meet as well. So um, I thought it'd be a great idea to look at options for how to make some money while um, being available for your children. So first of all, I see I'm speaking with Elizabeth de Bratton, who has some excellent ideas about how to make money working for other people and picking up um, all the jobs that are available that you can just do in a few minutes or a few hours from home. Um, Then I'm speaking with Tamsin Abiola, who helps people set up their own business and helps people decide what they want to do. And then finally, Sarah Furness, who runs Curly Cow, uh, tells me about how you set up a company which is making a profit in less than six months from when she first woke up one morning and thought, I know, I need to do this. So uh, I also find it's always exciting to find that rare breed, which is the genuine mother at home. So I also chat with each one of them, largely with Elizabeth, actually, about their lives and what's brought them to this Um, position of working from home, along with the crucial question of how they fit it all in around their children. So um, I hope you enjoy it. I've also got an information sheet, which I've written up. Uh, You can email me on mothersmatter at outlook.com and I can send it to you. And I'll also put it up on the Facebook page, Mothers Matter podcast. Elizabeth, thank you very much for uh, taking the time to talk with me today. And we're going to be talking about how you can be at home with your children, but also make some money to support yourself and your family. Um, but in your particular case, you're, you've mentioned a bit about your mother in the past, and I just, I'd be really interested to hear more about her. Can you tell us about your, your mother's background? Um, all right. Uh, my mother was from Uganda, and um, she was originally a a teacher she trained as a teacher she was actually the first girl from her whole tribe to um, go to university and um, she got her master's degree and uh, became a university lecturer and then we during the um the Idi Amin times the Idi Amin upheaval um, our whole family had to flee to Kenya and she worked for a while as a lecturer in Kenya. And when Amin was overthrown and the new president came back into power in Uganda, she was appointed as an ambassador. And so she 
served as Uganda's ambassador in a number of countries. And then in um, 1988, she fell, she, she unfortunately passed away with breast cancer. Oh, so yeah. Oh, so you try and um, she was a single mother for a lot of that time. You said that your father yes. died as well. Yes, he died yeah. quite quite early on. At the time he died, um, she had um, my elder brother was uh, was four. I was not quite three, and my baby brother was um, about three months old. So she never re- she never married again. <laughs> so Girly. She was, yeah. So she took. So with the three of you, then she went. She had to go to Kenya and. Uh, was it? Did you remember that time at all, living in Kenya? Yes, my first memories are of being in Kenya, and I actually don't. All all of these things which which happened to her were were, t- were told to me. Of course, I don't remember any upheaval. I just remember being very happy, running around, having lots of lots of fun. So I think she did an amazing job in shielding us from all the turmoil that was going on. And it's only as I got older and got my own children that I realized that, you know, wow, she was going through all this while mm-hmm. raising um, some really small children. And, um, and in addition to having us, her, her own three children, she also had my, my, father's, my father's children, um, so her stepchildren as well who are, who wow. are a, a couple of years older than us. Um, so so she, she had um, five of us. Um, at this time, while we're, while we're in Kenya, that's amazing. And then, how how old were you when she started working as an ambassador? I was um, six years old. So, how did you manage? How did she manage with childcare then? Well, I think that's the the good thing about being in Africa at that time. Uh, it's pretty easy to get childcare um, when when we were little. Um, when we li- when I was um, when she was working at um, at the university uh, Jomo Kenyatta University in Na- in Nairobi, um, it I, I don't know it's it's probably not still like that maybe it's just that the, the time it was you know the the late seventies we all just used to run around and play in each other's houses you know they'd open the doors and you'd go out in the morning and not come back home until you're called in for supper so we, it, there was just that sort of um, it was that sort of neighborhood and. Um, uh, and and again, being being in Africa, it was very easy for her to get uh, nannies um, who would take care of us as well. And when we moved abroad, um, we always had uh, a, a cousin or an aunt who would come and stay with us and take care of us while she was working. Right. So do you remember it as a, a very happy childhood then? I do. Yeah. I, I do. Yeah. yeah. That's amazing. And, and, and then um, you, yeah. yes, go on. So like like I said, I think it's a it's a testament to how to what an amazing job she did. Because when you put it down on paper and think of what the circumstances were, um it it, it sounds as though we would have been really traumatized, but we weren't. <laughs> we we just had lots of lots of fun. I I don't remember I think my, my older brother does remember the time when we fled, but I don't remember any of that yeah. at at all, yeah. Did did you have to live in a camp or something? Did they? What did you live in when you got to Kenya? Did she tell you? Uh yes, my uncle, um, who's who's married to her, to her sister, had already um, fled across the border, and he had um, 
they, they they had established themselves already. They were living in a in a house, and so she told me that for a couple of months, all of us were squeezed in one tiny house. My uncle and aunt had six children, and then there was my mum and her five who she brought along. So <laughs> we were all squeezed in that tiny house until she got her job at the university. Then we moved to university accommodation after that, um, and I, I do remember sleeping on um on a makeshift bed made with a bunch of sort of pillows and and um, clothes all sort of stuffed together and and I just thought it was exciting I so I, I didn't it none, none of this really registered to me it was all just so much fun the house was full of children were playing all the time so yeah where did you start your adult life oh my adult life um my adult life was well I was eight I was 18 I, I was when I was when I turned 18 we were in Uganda and that's where I went to that's why I did my undergraduate degree mm-hmm. and uh, did, I had my first job in Uganda and then I moved to the UK to do my master's degree. And what was your master's in? Um, I studied electronic publishing. Oh, right. Oh, that's very useful, isn't it? Well, yes and or no. Is it? <laughs> it, it, is, it is useful. Um, it was yes. really useful at the time, but right now um, most of what I learned is completely obsolete because that was in 2001 mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, time has moved on a lot since then um but it it's um it opened me up to the whole idea of of, of working online and on using the internet as a communication tool and as a another form of, of of media of mass media so that i think in a way that did open me up to a lot of um, possibilities mm-hmm. but i'm not actually doing what i was trained to do um specifically. Uh, yeah. yeah yeah that's often the case <laughs> yeah <laughs> And your your husband's Belgian, is he? No, he's from Norway. So he's Norway. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so, how did you meet him? I met him online. <laughs> oh right. Oh, excellent. But you're both you're all living in England now, though. Uh, we're living in England. Yep. Brilliant. And you have four children now. Yes, we do. Yeah. From what? Who's? How old's the oldest one? The oldest is twelve. Mm-hmm. And we have one who is 10 and 7 and 5. Gosh. And did you always plan to stay at home when you had children? Uh, I I did. By the, time, by the time I got married, I did want to stay at home with my children. I think because I, I got married fairly late. I was um, already in, in my 30s by the time I got married. And I had done, career-wise, I felt I had done what I wanted to do. I had had my dream job already. And um, I, I think I didn't, I didn't feel like I was missing out on anything. And I did make a conscious decision of wanting to be at home with them. Um, because of the way I grew up, my mum wasn't there a lot. She was busy and I you know, can't really blame her. She was on her own. She had to, you know, she had, she had to earn a living and raise us. So she was working full time all the time. And I decided that I wanted to be with them um, all the time. Um, so, so, so yeah. It's uh, and thankfully I met a man who also had the same the same values and was happy to do that as well. So yeah, right, right, right from the start, um, right from when we got married, I was at I was at home. Did you miss your travelling and your work? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I think once again because I, I had I'd, I'd really had my fill of it 
by the time I by the time I got married, I had a job which took me around to a lot of different places. I was traveling a lot. And uh, it got to a point where I think it was no longer exciting for me. It was like, oh yeah, another trip. But and and I was I was ready to to put down roots and settle down. And so um I know it's not everyone's experience, but for me, I have I, I had done a lot of it. And I, mm. I was happy to to <laughs> to, set, to to be in one place. You're homeschooling your children. Yes. Are you? Yes. Yeah. Was that something you always planned to do as well? Uh, it. By the time we had our first, by the time our first, our eldest was three years old, we had decided that was what we wanted to do. And again, it's a another complete 180 from the way I was raised because I went to boarding schools <laughs> when, when I was um, <laughs> in high school. So it's the complete opposite. You know, I went to boarding schools and I'm homeschooling. Um, mm. so uh, once again, it was just a, a decision we made in how we wanted our, our, our family to be. We wanted to have that close, um, organic, um, relationship between all of us. We want it. And it's because homeschooling is so much more than, um, it's not just an educational decision. It's a, it's a whole lifestyle decision. It's a, a way of raising your children, not just a way of educating them. And we wanted all, all of that for them so uh mm. when uh when our eldest was three i think he was in nursery for about three months and uh we took him out of nursery and from then on we haven't looked back we've just been homeschooling uh the rest of them yeah and how do you um just briefly because we need to talk about making money but um how do you organize your <laughs> yeah. time your time around them or their time oh, around you that's um uh, uh, that has taken a lot of uh trial and error <laughs> uh, and, but um what, what we have settled down to is we, we found um a routine that works for us is to have um uh i teach the i teach them in the, in the mornings from between nine to um to uh 12 o'clock and uh i do that four days a week i teach them this, the younger ones to I, i teach them in groups that the, the oldest two together and the younger two together And uh, we find that works out really well when we've when we've organized our curriculum and we know exactly what we're going to do. It doesn't take that long. And so mm -hmm. by um, at the very latest, we're done by by uh, by lunchtime. What days. do the younger two do when the older two are being taught? They um, entertain themselves sometimes. They sit sometimes they'll sit around with us playing with their workbooks. And uh, they have. Um, They they have they have a they, they like to draw so they do that a lot. They've got sticker books, um, they've got their their tablets which they look at as well sometimes, and they just um I think it's because because we've been doing it for so long they they're used to it, so they are not constantly clamoring for attention. <laughs> if, if I if I if I if I if I could say they they we we've, we've all just got used to 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 the whole um to the whole routine. They know that. I'll be there for them when they when they when they want my my attention. So that's uh, that's just how it's worked out. Like now, um, because I, I was um, I, I was I was actually having a very similar conversation with a friend of mine who also has um, many young children, and she was telling me that she she doesn't know. She she has um she she works full time outside the home, and when she comes home, the children all want a piece of her. Mm. They want all of them want to talk to her. They want to play with her. They want to show her things, and it's full on, 
for the times when she's on when she's with them and so she was telling me I don't know how you do it but I said well it's not like that for us because I, I'm there all the time and so I don't have that full-on all the children all at once and that that rarely happens mm. they usually they come in waves <laughs> 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 and uh and, beca- and because you know because you're with them all the time you just develop a, a, a routine I, I suppose a, a way of I, I don't know how to dis- I don't know how to describe it but um they they all they all get a, a bit of you when they need it and then they drift off and do their own thing and then they come back and it's never all for all at once <laughs> Mm. that's excellent one way I'm trying to describe um, being a mother at home is being an available mother so someone who is there if needed exactly you're not constantly following them around but um, if they need you then then you're you're available I think of it this way you know how um if um if a business has customer service lines open from nine to twelve there are going to be long phone queues but if it's a 24/7 support line, you know, you can sort of stagger the um, <laughs> the amount the um, you know the uh, the amount of time that you need to to give them. So that that's how I see it. It's it's not a perfect analogy, but that that's how it works out for for us. Um, I, I'm there, so they come when they need me, and they and they don't have to all come at once. Yes, yes. Well, Elizabeth, we should um, talk about uh, making the idea of making money. And this is actually something you messaged me about. So that's, uh, and I thought it was a great idea. And uh, you have got quite a lot of experience of doing lots of different things, maybe not all at the same time, um, of ways that working from home around the children where you can bring in a bit of extra money. So could you outline a bit of what you've been doing? And then I'm going to ask you how you actually did it. <laughs> uh, yes. Um, I have done a lot of copywriting, work as a copywriter, and I've done ghostwriting, meaning I've written books for other people that they've put their names on. Um, and I've done audio typing or transcription, uh, user testing, um, and various kinds of crowdsourcing work um, as well. What's the, um, okay, so I'd like to go through each one of those. What do you mean by crowdsourcing? I know crowdfunding, but what's crowdsourcing? Ah. <laughs> crowdsourcing, <laughs> It's um there, there's some companies which which get hired to to do um to do particular jobs on behalf of other companies. So for example, um they might want the the, the one that I typically that I've done the most of is um when a com- when a company needs to train um an electronic um device like Alexa or Siri needs to train it to understand natural language speech. So they will need to get, you know, 1000 people speaking certain phrases um, right. in, in, in their in their natu- in their in their native tongue. And so the company will be hired by a particular developer telling them, you know, get get us, you know, 1000 voices. And so they will hire the work out to us the crowd. <laughs> so that's what that's what crowdsourcing means when they need um when a particular company needs to get a lot of people to do a particular task, they'll reach out to all these people. And so um, that, that's one example of it. Another example is um, testing search engines. Um, again, a company will want 500 people to use a search engine to find XYZ. So they'll hire the workout to, to um, whoever they can find to do it, whoever meets certain criteria. Mm. So, and so, how yeah. do you um, how how do you get onto their books? How did you get a position in 
the agencies uh, that are finding you? There are two. There are two big ones um, that I that I know. I'm sure there are lots more, but um, the one I I've done work with is called Appen, A P P E N, mm-hmm. and uh, they often have a, a lot of a, a lot of tasks like that, um, mm. where you will need to do small things like that. Um, so and then and the other one is a Lions Bridge, and Amazon also has a crowdsourcing platform. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's called uh, Amazon Turk M Turk Jobs. So they do a similar thing as well. Right. And do so, you just uh, upload your details onto that? Uh, yes. You you you'll go to this particular site that does crowdsourcing work. You'll put in your details, and then when they have work that fits your particular demographic, like where you come from, what your native language is, um, what sorts of apps you like to use, then they'll send you a, an invitation to to apply for the particular for the particular job. And how often would you get something from them? I get invitations from uh, from Appen about three times a week. I think I don't take them all um, mm-hmm. because. Uh, I, because there are other things which I which I am doing which are much more interesting to me, <laughs> but, but but you do you do get um, invitations depending on your on your demographic you can get invitations um, fairly often. And can I do you mind if I ask how much they pay? Oh, it depends. Um, for for each particular task, depending on when which um, client it is, you can get between twenty to fifty pounds. But it mm-hmm. takes um, a cup a couple of hours of uh, of work, two to three hours of of of, of right. work, and it, and it, and uh, and uh, I'm not going to lie. This particular kind of work can be tedious, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, uh, asking. Uh, so, but but it it pays reasonably well for for the work mm-hmm. that it is. Yeah, yeah. And so the uh, copywriting, what does that involve? Uh, copywriting once again there are so many different kinds of things you can do um it's typically uh companies who want blog articles written for them and so they'll hire people to to write things about a certain topic um for example if it's uh, someone who uh, let's just off the top of my head um a gym let's say a, a, a gym wants articles on its blog about um about ex- about different types of exercise equipment, how to um, find time to do your ex- find time to exercise, how to how to um, you know balance your exercise between your family time, but just just those sorts of things. So you'll write articles for that. Um, I've also written um, uh, articles for 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 financial organizations as well. Just any, it can literally anything. Any sort of content you find online is often written by a hired copywriter. Uh, and do they yeah. do they pay you per article? Then yeah, yes, yes. Yeah, they and do. How, can I ask how much that that usually comes out as? Uh, once again, it depends. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, it's another how long is a piece of string question. Um, there are some organisations who will pay better than others, and. If you set yourself up as a freelancer who they approach direct, you can set your own rates. So it really depends. Um, mm. On the one hand, it's much easier if you go through an agency. They'll find the work for you and they'll assign it to you when it comes. But then they'll take a cut, so you'll get less. 
um, if you're a freelancer, you have to go out hustling for your own clients and you can keep all the pay, but then you're hustling for your own clients. So, mm. so it's, um, yeah. What agencies, uh, can you suggest any agencies? Um, the best place to start is a, um, a website called Upwork. That's where I started. Oh, yes. Yeah. Um, and that just exposes you to all the range of different types of work that's available. And then from there, you can see what interests you and branch out. There's another company called problogger.com. And that uh, pays higher rates. But then again, the work is also harder to get. Um, mm. And then another really good website, um, which is good for all sorts of all sorts of work from home jobs. It's called Rat Race Rebellion. Uh, rat, rat race, race rebellion. rebellion. Rat, oh, race rat race rebellion. rebellion. Oh yes, yeah. oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, rat race rebellion dot com, and that has a massive, massive, massive list of of work opportunities you can do at home. Not just copywriting, but pretty much everything you can do at home. <laughs> they, they they will have um a, a listing for it, and they and they're all it's um it's it's trustworthy. They're vetted. It's not a scammy site, and uh, you, you can find a, a lot of a lot of good leads from there. That sounds brilliant. What other ideas have you got or do your friends have for jobs that you can do from home? Um, I've had friends do um, work as virtual assistants. So they will help, for example, um, small businesses who don't have the funds to hire, say, a a full-time secretary. So they'll do that work for them. Um, I've also had friends do customer customer service work. So they will, some of them do take calls, but a lot of them will do the sort of, you know, the, the text-based. The chat blog. Yes, yes. Ex- exactly. Chatbot, uh, yes. Ex- exactly, that sort of, yeah, except that yeah, a real person behind it. Some of them do that. Um, and uh, I have a friend who does, two friends who do tutoring as well, online uh, English language tutoring for foreign students. And they quite like mm. that. Um, yeah, oh, that's so really interesting. A couple, of, a couple of things, yeah. Yes. And Would you have any advice for anyone who's looking at starting to try to do a bit of work from home? Uh, yes. The first bit of, of advice is um, be patient. <laughs> it can it can take time to get traction and to find something that's worth your while. Um, the very first jobs I did took a huge amount of time and paid peanuts. <laughs> <laughs> and so it, it took a while to sort of to, to learn you know who is um who who to who to who to look out for who to work for um so think think about what you want to do think about your qualifications um and go to a website like right race rebellion just see what's out there and uh recognize it will probably not replace your full-time income immediately it will take some time to build up traction to build up a client base to build up um a routine that you can live with and um i've been doing this for um this is 2020 i've been doing this since uh ooh, 20 2013 mm-hmm. and right now i'm at the point where i i have to turn away work i can't do it all there is enough to i, I could be doing this full time if i if i wanted to and if i had the time to but i, I just don't i've got other things to do but it, t- it took time to work up to that level of of um of 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 options and clients 
Um, how, how do you um, make the decision what to take on and what not to in terms of your whole life? How do you organize your um, time? Personally, right now, it's what is what I find interesting <laughs> is, is what I'm more likely to do. And also what I can do, um, what, what, isn't, what isn't extremely time consuming. Um, so interest and the amount of time it will take and also the flexibility. Um, some types of jobs need you to be sat in front of your computer or available to take calls at a certain hour, at certain hours of the day. And I don't have, I, I can't, I can't do that because obviously I'm homeschooling. So I, I look for jobs which allow me to take the work and then turn it around at my own pace. So I, yeah, so I look for flexibility for things, which are, for things which are interesting as well. Um, and, uh, yeah, it, it's, there's, there's literally, there are so many options out there, um, to fit, to fit people's, to, to fit people's criteria. Yeah. How do so you lot, yeah. manage, uh, the accounting side of it? Do you, did you set yourself up as a limited company or are you officially self-employed? Uh, yes, I started off as self-employed. Um, now I do have a limited company, um, but it's perfectly fine to do as a sole trader. That's that's that is absolutely okay. In fact, mm -hmm. it's simpler. <laughs> and, and, and by, <laughs> it's much simpler. Um, so all all you have to do is your regular sort of um, um, self reporting, which isn't painful. If you keep if you're keeping track of um, whatever you get paid, it's it, it's uh, it's fairly easy to do to do your tax return at the end of the year. You have to. Uh, well, a lot of people have to do tax returns now to get child yeah. benefit because yeah. you, uh, so that you can still qualify for the pension contribution. So yes. that brought brought me into the tax return world, uh, right. um, to, doing that sort of thing. Uh, why why did you go from being a sole trader to limited company? Uh, because of uh, because I I started um, I, I started working as a as an as an author, and I published my own books. I write, mm. um, yeah, I write Christian romance under a pen name, and uh, it was, <laughs> do you it want to tell us the pen name, or are you trying to keep yourself <laughs> separate? <laughs> no, it's absolutely fine. I don't, I don't mind. My pen, my pen name is is Miller Holt, and I write, mm -hmm. I, I write, I write Christian romance, and it was just simpler and cleaner for me to separate that as 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 a limited company. Um, mm -hmm. So the, but I either way, I still have to do my my own self reporting, and I have an accountant who does all the dirty work for me and makes it as pain-free as possible. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's another job you could do from home if you're a, exactly. a bookkeeper. And my accountant mm. is uh, self-employed and works at home. <laughs> she takes on a, <laughs> she, she works freelance for lots of clients. So, yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. Oh, that's excellent. And uh, do, in terms of your time then, do you uh, sort of put building blocks in place so you know that the, there's non-negotiables there's your homeschooling time there's the cooking yes. food time and then whatever's <laughs> left over is oh, worth yes. your time oh uh, yes <laughs> absolutely my my best friend is my bullet journal and what's a bullet journal <laughs> oh you don't know what a bullet is journal it a to -do is list? Oh, my, it's uh no it's a kind of um it's a it's a it's an organization tool a personal organization tool um it's basically a an empty book which you can customize according to what your your needs are and what your lifestyle is and what your schedule is and um because i found there there was no planner which had everything i needed to do because i'm i i have to schedule everything or else my life falls to pieces 
I have to schedule, you know, my homeschooling, house cleaning, meal planning, grocery shopping, mm. uh, not to mention the actual work that I do as well. So it all, it all has to be scheduled. It all has to fit together. I've got to find the time to do it. Plus, I have a husband who needs attention every now and then. So mm-hmm. it's all got to, <laughs> in, in order to make that, to make that all fit in, I, I need, need to be organized or it just, or, I, or I'll drop some balls. <laughs> Yes, you. Yeah. I, I find that it's, I have a priority hierarchy that can yes. switch around each day. But you know, at some you have to do the cooking at some point, yes. and you have to, you know, talk to the children or whatever. So there are things yes. that have to be there, and then yes. there's some, some um, sort of time, the variable time that you can use for yes. for work or so on. Yeah. And you mentioned you mentioned time blocking. I think that that's a mm. a, a very very useful tool. Um, so I'll have certain hours where I will. I do most of my my paid work first thing in the morning between Mm -hmm. five and nine and um homeschooling is from uh from nine until usually until one ish until we finish and then after that I will spend time with the little ones if we're going on an outing that's when we'll do it um and then uh from six o'clock onwards the screens go off Mm-hmm. And yeah, we have we have our meal, and then we spend we have family time. Yeah, yeah I think uh, for me, time blocking works well because otherwise I feel guilty about the things yes. that I could be doing at that time. So when I'm cooking, I think, oh, I've got all these emails I need to be sorting things out with the Moisey Foundation or whatever or if I'm doing something with Moisey then I think oh but I need to sort out the children's you know rugby or hockey or whatever so so if you think well this is ring fenced that you know there's nothing else I should be doing at this time apart from unpacking the shopping then yes you don't feel guilty (laughs) that uh, you're not doing something else exactly and it'll and I guess it's it's one of those things where Depending on what your life is like, you'll see how granular you need to make the time blocking. Um, uh, granular, I, 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 right? What does that mean? Yes. That, that you oh, let other things means, in. Well, depending on how on how detailed your 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 schedule is. Well, speaking of time management, I'd better let you go, Elizabeth. But thank you so much for sharing your ideas with um, with me and with everyone. Uh, it's it's great to know that there are jobs. I think even more so now with the internet and everything that there's so many jobs you can just do a bit of. And still yes. be around to to be with your children and prioritize life the way you want it to be. So uh, yeah, thank you, and thank you for sharing your video life story with us. Well, thank as well. you for it's inviting me. <laughs> You're welcome. Well, Tamsin, thank you for sparing the time to talk with me today. Um, I'm pleased to talk to you because you're someone who has. Um, uh, decided to set up your own business um, and work for yourself and support yourself from that point of view. So could you tell us a bit about what your business is? Certainly. Uh, thank you for having me, first of all. A pleasure to be here. Um, so my business is supporting and helping mums setting up their own online business um, so that they can actually work from home and be with their children. Um, so I need I take... Um, Basically, so I'll, I'll talk to to a lady, to a mother, and we'll do a do a deep dive on what their actual what their life is like, what they surround themselves with, what their career skills uh, were before they had the child um, or children, uh, and then also what their life's inspirations. So other things that they have achieved that aren't necessarily qualifications or jobs or you know other experiences um, 
or travels or anything that they've they've done as alongside that and then we also um pull in feedback from the family um so it's one thing that actually i found when i talk to a lot of people is they're quite often blind to what their true talent is because it comes so naturally to them so it's your your family and your friends surrounding you um that will generally give you the light on that uh, you can't see in yourself so that's that's in essence what I do I take take mums and I find their real talents and um, innate purpose in life and help them turn it into an online business brilliant and <laughs> how did you decide to do that what were you doing before you had um, your daughter you've got a is she two, two yes two, two and a bit two and three months now yeah. okay yeah <laughs> so um, what were you doing before you had her before that well I was um a worker worker bee work as hard as you can you know uh, you need to work hard to get success etc and um I was in the corporate world up until I got married which was two years before I had Zara but I decided that I wanted to work on my own businesses um before uh, I had her so that we could have a flexible life when she came um however my um entrepreneurial businesses that were doing well when I was working weren't doing necessarily so well when I wasn't working alongside them um so I kind of I had to switch it up when I actually decided that I needed to well not needed to I wanted to make some money um by myself uh so that's when I had to I kind of I've almost gone through exactly the same process that I take the mums on um when I try and draw out their inner talents but before that I was I was a corporate lady I was um based in the city um and working not nine to five eight till seven probably something like that (laughs) (laughs) did you think uh did you see yourself continuing in that sort of life before you had Zara uh no not in the corporate life but definitely running my own businesses when I before I had her like I'd sit at my desk uh, probably 12 to 18 hours a day or be doing something around work for that length of time and I was um very naive when I thought oh yeah I mean no nothing will change it'll be fine <laughs> you know um and she'll she'll be a sleeper and I'll get a nanny and don't worry and everything like this and then I had her and I saw her and actually it was it was before actually I even gave birth to her she um I was doing lots of research whilst I was pregnant there's there's so many things that change in you when you're pregnant let alone actually having the child all the hormones and everything and your chemicals and so I did lots of research and I really got I really resonated with attachment parenting and that kind of just felt natural to me so and I was like hmm not really sure how I can do this if I'm going to be sat at a desk for that long uh, so that's when it kind of seemed, crept in when I was when I was pregnant um, but before I even got pregnant I was yeah I was sure that nothing would change and everything would still be fine so how what was the process you went through yourself to decide what you were going to do to make money because you were doing other businesses before that you stopped Mm. yes Um, so how did you decide what what you thought would fit with your life um that was to be honest it was quite hard um I was um I actually forex trade as well um and there's a lot of mindset work that goes alongside that because your relationship with money has to be spot on because you're actually trading money. Um, so it was in the process of doing some coaching through that and some mindset work that um, the lady that I work with mentioned true alignment and, you know, aligning with your values and um, not just what you think you like or what's a hobby that you really quite enjoy doing, you know, something that you love so much, it'll push you through the hard times. And 
um, that's what started me thinking. And then I um, took a couple of courses uh, when lockdown actually started. And I found it, maybe it's been the reverse for other people, but actually lockdown seemed to give me more time for me to focus on my business. Um, Instead of rushing around trying to get uh, Zara to play groups or to swimming lessons or to this or to that, um, we actually were just at home and it was still a time when she'd have a nice long sleep at lunchtime. So so I could always work during that. Um, So I actually, I just started doing some real digging on myself and joining a few courses um, and listening to some inspirational people about how they really found what they what their true calling was and I kind of I did that on myself so it's a lot of self-analysis and uh one thing actually although it doesn't look like it and in the picture you have now although I've got a few (laughs) few things of Zara there the house is full of family stuff like full of pictures uh pieces of furniture that family have given me or all these mementos and memories and um so I know that family and friends is my numero uno value so it's helping helping people have the opportunity to really embrace that if it is their number one value themselves as I know lots of mums have to go back to work for financial reasons so it's not it's not necessarily a choice it's just a fait accompli um so knowing helping other people have or really embrace what I know is my number one value was was a big part of it um and then I love business. So behind me, all these books are all on business and mindset and, and everything like that. So I thought, okay, let's combine combine the two. So let me show mums how I how I have set up businesses in the past and how to do it and then how to do it online so that it's simple and scalable and you, and you can work from home. And what have you done? What what steps would you suggest someone takes then? If someone has an idea, they've done their mindset and they've they've worked out what really matters to them, and maybe mm. it's I don't know creativity or um, helping others solve problems or cooking or whatever. Mm. How would you suggest that they then go from that concept to actually making any money out of it? Okay, so first thing is you've really got to dial in your niche without without a doubt. Being general will get you nowhere. So for example, I could say that I would like to be an online business coach and I'll, I'll help everyone and anyone. But I really resonate with mums and I get mums and I can, I can talk your language because I understand where you've been and what you've been through. So you, it's almost you need to take whoever you were on the journey. So don't be afraid to really niche down. So say, for example, creativity. I mean, that's, that's huge. I just, I spoke to a lady um, who... Um, I did an interview with and she's just decided to write a book so that that could be something and then Mm -hmm. you need to decide how you're going to get it across to your uh, perfect clients so uh, for me as I said everything's online so I consider that there are three main ways to create a product that is easily scalable online one is a digital download so whether that is a book that people can download or if it's um, a self-help guide, or if it's a how to fix X, or if it's a what to do when this happens, or how to get over something else. So you've got a digital download, um, an online course, which is generally a fixed term course with kind of added extras. So there's normally some kind of coaching in there. There doesn't have to be though at all. You can be completely, um, what's the right word? I suppose detached from your clients. I would recommend 
though if you are doing an online course to engage with them it's the best way to get feedback on the product that you're actually giving to know how you can make it better and create more value for your clients and then there's the third which is like a community stroke membership so a community would be something that's almost unpaid so it's where you allow people to congregate and share their opinions their experiences uh, how they did x what you can do to make Y better. And then you can create a membership on from that. So people who are already interested in the service that you offer uh, because they're in the community, you can then take them into the membership where, for example, you give them masterclasses or you give them access one-to-one -to, -one to you where they can come and do Q&As with you or you bring in um, other people to give masterclasses. And then that's where you kind of round out the, the experience, I would say, that, from the journey that you're taking your client on and take them to the to the next level um so how, how do you find your clients if you've got this idea of something you're going to do like for you how are you going about finding people i'm on facebook <laughs> would you believe well <laughs> facebook instagram and linkedin so there's mm -hmm. there's three main different social media ways i mean there are also the uh, conventional that's what I'm looking for conventional and conservative ways of where you put ads out or you have your have a website etc and you drive traffic to it uh, but the main thing that I'm doing is I'm also trying to showcase to mums how to do this without spending any money so where you don't have to spend money to get a website designed or set it up yourself or spend hours trying to do it yourself I've done both I've paid someone to do it and I've spent hours doing it and each time I wasn't particularly satisfied with the outcome so <laughs> so I'm scrapping that for this one and just going with the profiles that I already have online and um, and then it's finding your customers in there so you need to be with Facebook you need to find the right groups so people that are similar minded to you but not necessarily the exact same target market so for example let's take creatives um, if you're writing a book, you're not going to want, to, well, you will want to, and you will probably already be in a Facebook group for writers, but it will probably be hosted by and run by someone who is a writer themselves or is wanting to coach people to write. And the last thing you really want to do is tread on people's toes and kind of take the food mm. from, un from underneath them. So um, go there for kind of your camaraderie and to share your journey, but you'll want people who are writers may also have oh, an interest in goodness not being a creative I'm struggling with this one, actually. <laughs> um, but maybe uh, an Holidays. interest in yes yeah or in copywriting Travel. or in, oh, yeah copywriting. in yes. something oh, like that so they, they want to find in intricate ways to get their message across so maybe then join a copywriting group because that the person that runs that will be looking for people to do copy for, but there will be other people in there maybe trying to do the same thing you're doing and you can then either take them on your journey or coach them to write a book or something like that. So you'd find your, find your clients in there. And then um, Instagram, it's all about the hashtags to be, um, I mean, and they are constantly changing. So with those, I would, you need to search the ones that have the, um what's most efficacy that's it so um you'll want i mean there's 30 hashtags that you can use with instagram which i think is is bonkers but i it is recommended across the spectrum to use as many of them as you can um so what you'll want is you'll want hashtags of people who were where you are were where you were i can get my words out properly so for example um 
writing but so frustrated writer hashtag frustrated writer so you're not actually a writer yet and then um published writer as well so you want you want to get hashtags of everyone along the journey so that you aren't just um advertising yourself to people that have already done the same journey that you have you want the ones that are still frustrated or upset or lack of time etc whatever problem it is that you're solving and uh, linkedin is a little bit more <laughs> tricky but i would i'd put your stuff there as well and there's only three hashtags that you should really use on on linkedin um or should i say three at the bottom is what they recommend um but share your journey on there as well because you never know who's looking or who might want to leave work and join you so if you're setting up for example a course on how to write your first book in x number of days or a digital download on how to structure your first book or a membership mm. on how to write your book and you take someone through the journey step by step chapter by chapter through to how to contact publishing houses or to self-publish or all of that that would be my idea <laughs> excellent that's very that's very good steps and how do you work out the um price point what you would charge for what you're offering okay so the main thing i come across with price is people undercharge really really undercharge and although it's not well i suppose it is akin to um luxury goods versus budget goods so the assumption is and generally always has been the more you pay for something the better it is so if you up to a certain point anyway and then it just gets ridiculous um <laughs> So with digital downloads, depending on the problem that you're solving or the service that you're offering, I would say anywhere from £47 to £197 per time they download it. So if you think you just have to create that once and off it goes. Um, online course, a few hundred, I'd say starting at 497 um, going up to 2997 even uh, 4997 depending on what additionals you have like if you have any coaching in there as well with the online coaching that's when you can start to really ramp up the cost um that people pay because you're adding a lot more value and um, membership sites um anywhere from 47 pounds a month to i've just come across one for two and a half thousand pounds a month what was that for <laughs> that's to take a six your six figure business to seven figure so that's that's quite uh, charge people more for what you're already doing for the thousands yeah. of things charge them a ridiculous amount per month well it's, yeah i mean that's quite but i mean they've got 50 60 people in there and it's mm. it's quite a well-recognized program so it re really will depend on the value that you offer your clients at the journey that you're taking them on so that the problem that you're solving and how important is it for them Mm. Um, and then, the, like I said, once you've figured that, once you've looked at that, then take a step back and probably double what you're thinking of charging because we always undervalue ourselves. Always, Got always. What, uh, the, you've mentioned 47 a few times. Is that yes. a sort of recognised thing? Well, it's, it's the tipping. <laughs> yeah, it's the, it'll be, it's, it's the tipping point, actually, between something that you'll pay without even kind of noticing. Yeah. And, and then you suddenly go, Oof. so 47, there's actually even... Um, a study that I, I read, which I can't believe it, but the difference between 47 to 49 pounds, because 49 is so much closer to 50. They did a study and people automatically went for 47. I mean, it's <laughs> two, two pounds difference. Yes. But it's, it's that tipping point of 50 pounds. 
And how do you mm. how do you suggest people get paid? Is it generally do people pay PayPal or how do you set yourself up? So to yes, money? Uh, business account on PayPal or there's um, a website called Stripe, which is also um, something that you can use. Or if you're, I mean, yes, that's I was going to say you can do bank transfers, but that's not um, actually that's not um, efficient because then people have to come out. What you want is you want someone to find you online and go, I want that. And literally they just have to put their card details in. You don't want them to have to go, oh, I need to transfer the money. And then they forget about it and then it doesn't happen. And So uh, PayPal or Stripe. Mm. And would you suggest that uh, people put whatever they're out, sort of free, whatever they're offering free to start with to get some uh, feedback? Or do you think you just start with your charge? I would put bits of it out. So start on whatever forum it is that you want to start sharing on, um, whatever platform, should I say. Start giving little tidbits, teasers out. Do give things away. Um, one thing that I've actually, I was told by a coach of mine, um, he, he said, um, if your clients are clever enough to put together everything that you give out, so people are worried about giving away the farm, you know, and then no one will come and buy buy the pig, so to speak, if you give away the farm. Um, he said, if people are, if if the people are clever enough to put together everything that you put out. They were never going to be your clients in the first place. So <laughs> they said, don't worry, don't worry about giving bits away. So, yes, I actually completely concur that you should give uh, value to your clients. And also when it comes down to that, if you're doing a doing work that is, is actually truly aligned to your value matrix and what you really believe and want to help people with, you're going to want to do it anyway because you're going to be helping the people that you really associate yourself with and you you align yourself with. So yes, do I wouldn't say give the exact thing away because you that's still in a format that makes it very easy for people to assimilate and literally follow step by step or follow through and learn. But do yeah, do give bits away and it, it will increase your authority in the subject as well. Mm. I think one of the things um, that I find a bit of a challenge is that when you're um, a mother, then you, you know, obviously your priority are your children. Mm. Uh, but then when you're also doing something else that you really enjoy, it's very difficult to segment the day, particularly if you're trying to grow something because you really want to put all your time into it. And you've just carved out a moment when the children are asleep or on the screen or whatever. And you sit down, you really get into it. And then it's time to cook the supper. I mean, how do you... Sort of segment how do you manage your own time so I get up early um I'm up at four and I do a couple of hours before Zara wakes up and um, if she doesn't then wake up in the interim yeah. <laughs> <At> 4 35 <laughs> 5 30 etc um mm -hmm. but I would recommend if mums can to do it do a chunk um, don't try and do it here and there. Um, there are studies that show that your brain focus, you know, if you're jumping from one activity to another, takes you anywhere between five to 10 minutes to really re refocus into that task. So don't try and catch half an hour here, half an hour there. Um, do it in a in a chunk. I'd say two hours is probably the minimum time you really need to get some momentum or really kind of get, get the creative juices flowing or, or whatever it is that you're you're doing. Um, and it will be a case of morning or night or as I do, I have grandma who comes and helps every once in a while or grandpa, but it, it is family um, and she's building, Zara's building a relationship with them. So it's not a case of nursery or 
daycare or whatever mm-hmm. it is you want to call it to make make this work it does work around family but to carve it out I'd say a good I'd say a two hour chunk and that's that should be all you need um as long as you're working you know efficiently and on on task that you need to not deviating and going oh god I need to do that oh I need to and you know kind of your, your brain <laughs> which as a mum it is but I say to counter that have a pad beside you anything that comes up put it down right like write it down and then it's out of your head and and refocus don't allow yourself to be distracted by something else that your brain is telling you is more important but actually it's not because you can write it down and you can do it later Mm, very good advice and uh, from your point of view what are you hoping to develop in the next year how do you see yourself you know what are your goals for the next year have you got sort of steps in place for what you want to achieve yeah I I mean I'm really keen on helping as many mums as possible to be with their children in the way that they want to that was the main struggle that I had uh, was people saying are you not going back to work yet what are you going to do with your brain oh and you know all this kind of like completely (laughs) undervaluing one of the best jobs I think in the world um so I want to help as many mums as possible I've got a target by the end of the year to have helped 100 mums so if anyone listens to this and wants a hand just get in touch I'll happily do a chat with you and see what how we can set you off um, and your, and then, your company is called Motherly Misfits. It is. So. I operate under my name on, on Facebook. So Tamsin Abiola is is where you will where you'll find me now. I started with Motherly Motherly Misfit because I wasn't really ready to own mm. <laughs> who I was. It was still when I was kind of trying to think. Oh, do I? Should I? Shouldn't I? What are people going to think? What are they going to? Uh, yeah, mm. think about me. And now I don't care. I am who I am. <laughs> take, take me yes. or leave me, but I'm I'm here to help. So yeah, so Tamsin Abiola on on Facebook is where to best to to catch me. And then next year, I really well, it depends really on what the new normal is. I was really hoping mm. at some point to get a conference together of mums, you know, online business mums who want to be with their kids and get us all into a room and do some masterclasses and some brainstorming and you know breakouts and stuff and really take people to the next level that's what I'd love to do Uh, but it will be dependent on what happens in the next few months really Um, and otherwise it's just keeping the online business uh, course going so that as many mums can dip in and out of it and do it as and as and when they need to and then um, create the community around it. Brilliant. And you've joined um, a local group with Mothers at Home Matter, haven't you? Yeah. Talking about community, yes. Yeah. 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 Um, I've started a local one in Salisbury, so I'm in Wiltshire. And actually quite lucky to be in a place that there's a lot of stay-at-home mums in whatever um, working or not working uh, spectrum Mm. you want want to talk about here. Um, So it's, it's a nice area to be in. However, there are still... There isn't something that's, ex- I don't want to say exclusive, but I um, I suppose it is for mums who are at home because they uh, really appreciate the value of what they're giving to their child and, and, and understand how important the formative years are. So if someone contacts you, um, mm. do they just write and say, you know, what, what can you offer? Here are my ideas. And do you discuss with them and then discuss rates or how would it work? Uh, yes, just so just get in touch. So initially, I always do a, a call with you, um, a fifteen minute call. So it just just drop me an email, just saying I heard, uh, you know, your podcast on mom. Really keen to kind of get my own business running, um, and then my calendar link is on there. Just book in and and we'll have a chat. And it's yeah, it's mm-hmm. as simple as that. And then if you decide that you 
think I'm any good at what I'm doing, then we can take it further, I guess. <laughs> okay, brilliant. Brilliant. Well, good luck with that, Tamsin. Thank you. Um, Thank you so much for really me. well for you. <laughs> You're welcome. Sarah, thank you so much for uh, taking the time out of your day to to talk with me today about your business. And I'm really interested in how you've set it up and how you got the idea. So can you tell us a little bit about your business, please? Yeah. um, So my business is called Curly Cow um, and it's a completely gluten-free pick and mix style uh, sweet business. And it's all online. um, We deliver across to the UK. Um, And it kind of came about a bit... A bit spare at the moment to some extent, the idea. Um, my daughter was diagnosed with celiac um, 18 months ago. Um, so it's quite a big change. Um, she's five. And basically, I used to source some sweets from a, a supplier, just a sweet seller. Um, and then they said they couldn't do them anymore for celiacs that were safe. So I kind of just said, you know what, I'm going to give it a go. Um, so I just started researching it. Um and essentially, Curly Cow came about, um, and and here I am, really. So it's my daughter, kind of the inspiration behind it, because um, I couldn't find a product that existed that, you know, the sweets were safe for celiacs. Um, and that's really how it came about, after a lot of research and, you know, all the rest of it that goes into it. And then, um, yeah, and then I sort of launched, or oh, was it 20th of July, I think it was? Yeah, so... Right, yeah. gosh. Well, you say, and and here we are. So it was really simple. But <laughs> let yeah, me just no, yes, quite. <laughs> often, I suppose, yeah. A lot of research went into it because um, where celiacs, you have to be very careful about cross contamination. Um, you can't have it may contain gluten. Um, you know, it can't be made in a, a factory that handles you know gluten. It has to be, you have to be very careful of cross contamination, really. So. Um, there are a lot of hours went into the researching element of it. Yes, a lot of conversations with trading standards to make sure that I was doing everything exactly as it should be because I didn't want to obviously get it all wrong. Um, and being a mum of a celiac, I'm very, very aware of how important it is to make sure it is completely okay and safe for, for celiacs to eat. So I, a lot of research went into it sort of behind the scenes. Yeah, A few months before I actually launched, um, I did all the research behind it, um, I say. Yeah, so that... A lot of uh, evening work, should we say, when my children were tucked <laughs> up in bed. Because, um, yeah, they were both at home, obviously, with being in lockdown. My daughter wasn't at school. So, uh, yeah, there was a lot of research involved with it. But... And, you're, and your son's four, so they're both yes. quite, you know, demanding. Demanding is a, is a good <laughs> word age. for it, yes. <laughs> I love them dearly, but, yes, demanding is a brilliant word. Yeah, um, yeah no, it was uh, demanding. I mean, for... I basically worked in the evenings. Um, a, a lot of late evenings, should we say, went into it. Um, and my husband at weekend, he sort of had the kids, he'd take them out for a walk whilst I maybe spent a few hours doing a bit of, bit of extra research. Um, and then when I was up and running um, in the July, it was a case of I was doing the orders again in the evening um, and and the weekends. So I didn't want the... I've always been a stay-at-home mum since I've had my children. So I didn't... I didn't want to suddenly, you know, not be that mum. I, I always, you know, not being a mum is my main my main role for me. Um, and the business is, is the sideline, really, I suppose. So, um, yeah, it's just finding the time and fitting it in. But evening and weekends were the key when, when the children were at home with me. Um, and obviously it changed then in September when my little boy started school. Um, you know, my daughter went back to school. It, it meant then I could do it. You know, in the days, so I kind of got my evenings back a bit, which is a which is a bit of a relief, shall we say? Yeah. Um, breathe and then um, have a break. So yeah, definitely. Yeah, 
Well, I'd like to know a bit more about the detail as well and how you got to, you got from the point of thinking, I can't find any sweets yeah. for her, mm. to, did, did, to, to actually doing something. Did you just sort of wake up one morning and think, well, I'll do it myself? Or... Essentially, <laughs> yes, actually. It really was yeah. like that. Um, I've kind of been looking for something to do when my little boy was starting school in September. Um, I mean, I gave up my career as a chartered accountant um, when I had my daughter. Um, and, you know, it just, I just didn't, couldn't see myself going back to it with the children and having that flexibility of the hours. So um, it, it almost was an overnight thing to an extent. Like I say, the sweet seller I was buying from before just stopped. Um, and then I sort of thought, I'm going to, you know, why not give it a go? And then the, obviously then I researched it um, mm-hmm. and decided it was a go. And I couldn't find another product on the market that did that did this really. So that sort of spurred me on to think, well, there's a niche here. Let's look into it. And really that's, you know, that's where it started. So, yeah. And without giving away any trade secrets, you've managed to source some. You've managed to find someone who's manufacturing them. Yes. Or did you ask them to manufacture? No, they already are manufactured. Um, but it was a case of contacting the manufacturers and saying, OK, I know the ingredients don't have gluten in the actual ingredients listing. But when they're made at the factory is the, the line that they've been produced on completely gluten free to make sure there's no no cross contamination, really. So. There was a lot of toing and froing with different manufacturers. Some that don't have ingredients on the listing actually are a may contain, but don't say it on the packet. So you have to be extremely careful. So those ones, I was like, well, I can't, I can't do them. So um, I found, you know, a couple of suppliers that I can source it from that, that are completely safe. But that was a lot of toing and froing and a lot of, a lot of emails backwards and forwards because you say you can't visit these places. You know, you're in the middle of COVID. So um, it was toing and froing and everything was very delayed because people, obviously people aren't working in their normal hours or they're working from home. And these things just take a little bit longer with COVID. So, yeah. Did you, when did you start having your first idea? How long did it take you until you launched? I... I think it was around May time. So what's that, June, July? It's not that long then. No, so it was a couple of months before. um, Yeah, it took maybe three, two, three months, I think, before I launched um, sort of the idea as such came around. So um, and then just then all the researching and the sourcing. And um, I also do. So my my pouches that the sweets go out in are all um, compostable. So I'm trying to be uh, eco-friendly. Well, I am eco-friendly, not trying. I am. So my pouches (laughs) are compostable. Um, all my postal packaging is recycling down to the packing tape, um, everything. So mm. I, you know, I kind of, you know, want to be green as well as providing a good product um, for the market. So, yeah, I had to source all of those as well. And you've got um, a good, you've got good um, taster in the family, I suppose. So did you try it all out on your your daughter and ask what she liked? Yes, yes, no. Yeah. I'll tell you what, I have got over 50 different sweets and the, she has not tried them all. No, because at the age of five, <laughs> she doesn't need that many sweets as much as she would love to. Um, yeah, no, mm. I do make up a pouch for the for the kids or if we go away on holiday, I'll take a pouch with us. Um, so we'll have a nibble, of course, um, when we're away as a little treat. Um, everyone needs a treat. So yeah, no, she uh, definitely is a chief taster though, for sure. Yeah, yeah, both of them are, I'd say. Yes. Yeah. Um, I want to come back in a minute to the sort of the timing and how you fit everything in. But um, in terms of um, buying it, do, do people just order online and you do yeah. they choose a certain pouch uh, yeah. contents for the pouch? Yeah, essentially. So I've got um, a website, um, which I 
Oh, I'm no, I'm definitely not techno. That took me a long time to create the website um, with, you know, I did it all by myself. So it was quite a challenge, shall we say. Um, but yes, yeah, so you order online. Um, we've got lots of different mixes, essentially, so that you can buy. Um, and we do them in two different sizes um, of pouch. So people go online and they have a browse and have a look. And um, yeah, they order whichever pouch takes their fancy, really, or a couple, depending. Yeah. And the website is curlycow.co.uk. .co.uk. Yeah. So they, they order online yeah. and um, how long does it take to deliver? And So and I, so? once I've received the order, I aim to get the order out 24, 48 hours. So one to two business day, working days. Um, so I try mm. to not work the weekends if I can spend the time with the children. Um, so sort of one to two business days and goes out in the post. Uh, they get sent second class um, in the post or larger ones go by a courier, but a similar. So you should kind of from point of order to arriving at your door. I'm, my aim is, you know, definitely within a week. It all at the mm. moment post is a little bit slower than than obviously we'd all like. But um, for me, it's generally out the door within two days of me receiving the order. So quite quite a quick turnaround I aim for. Yeah. Yes. What happens um, if you're when you're growing? Uh, because are you getting more orders in? I certainly am getting more orders. Yeah. <laughs> uh, most certainly. Um, yes, I'm getting busier and it does. Th- I do start to think to myself, okay, how am I going to manage this? Um, I am looking at expanding um, potentially to a, a bigger, a bigger, basically I have a small room at the moment that I do it all. It's all completely in there. And it's, you know, that's, that's my little sweet room as such. Um, but I may... I may have to move to a bigger, a bigger area because at the moment I am struggling. Yeah, swing a cat maybe probably couldn't at the moment. Um, <laughs> so um, yeah, it's pretty busy in there, and it's and, but it's only me at the moment. But certainly, if I get bigger, I may have to look at um, taking somebody on. I think um, yeah, there's only so much one person can do. Yes, well, that's it. That, that that's it. And how did you work out your um, price point for what you were going to charge for it? Um, obviously I start with all my costs, um, and, uh, I did a lot of market research essentially as to what other sweet companies are selling their products for, um, and sort of priced accordingly to the market. Um, and, you know, to ensure that I could turn around and make it a business, obviously not give, give stuff away and make sure Mm. I'm, I'm bringing in some money for the family. So, um, yeah, I think market research as to other pricing points of other similar companies that, I mean, not gluten-free sweet companies because they're not there, but other sweet sellers, the same sort of thing. So it was a lot of research, in, I suppose, really in that sense to see where I sat against other 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 sellers, really. Yeah, there's a lot to um, a lot to think about when you're setting out the business because you've got your, how did you work out your logo? Um, I used a, uh, a company, you know, I used, my man say, I'm not sure Wix. So, but my, my website is through Wix is, um, the, you know, how I've done it. And I just, I went on the logo generator essentially, and, um, <laughs> it gives you ideas. Um, and really from that, I took an idea and I played with it and you sort of, it's, it's very easy for somebody that's not a very, I'm not technical at all. And I'm not used to that sort of thing. Um, it was, it was quite simple. It made it quite easy to break it down and then to play with. And it's quite sort of friendly in that sense. So, um, Wix was my savior, um, website Mm. and logo. So I did it all through them. So it's quite a a good system I found actually. Yeah. Yes. And how did you um, go about marketing it to start with? 
Um, well, and now. <laughs> face, Facebook is my friend, really. Um, I've not been a huge, so I'm not still not really a big, personally, social media user, but actually the world is very much. Um, so it's it's switching onto that. I had an Instagram account for the first time. I've never used Instagram before. Um, I then set up an Instagram account, Curly Cow, obviously, um, and Facebook the same. And I post um, the business um, on different groups in on Facebook. So a lot of the gluten-free groups, um, you know, to promote my business. And mm. I, I think twice I've done an actual Facebook advert, um, but only on a small scale. I've not spent hundreds of pounds mm. by any means on it. So really, um, and also word of mouth, um, I think... The gluten-free world, actually, celiac world is quite small, I think, and word of mouth does get round. Um, and I've sent um, a few pouches out to bloggers on Instagram who then have shared to say that they've received them and they like them, etc. cetera. Um, obviously, you take a risk by sending it to them. They don't like it, but luckily, so far, <laughs> so good. Um, and then they, you know, they put a post up and if they have lots of followers, then that also has then, you know, helps spread the word, really. So um, that that has been my that has been my marketing tool literally is social media completely Mm. Mm. Um, how did you come up with the name um it's all a bit random and not sweet related at all um (laughs) I have always loved cows um if you were ever to visit my house you would notice that I have a cow picture on my kitchen wall I have little (laughs) random cow stuff I've no idea where it started from and people now know that I love cows and I just seem to people give me cow stuff and I was brainstorming <laughs> with my mum one day and my mum just went, cow, can we associate something to do with cow? And we were trying, and, and curly cow just somehow came about and I just went, you know what, why not? It's different, not sweet related, but if you can make it work and people then know that you're associated with it, then, you, you know, so I went with it. It's random, but it works. <laughs> well, it's good because it's very visual. So it's it quite is. easy to yes. create images of it. Mm. No, mm. definitely. Yeah, yeah. So it's um, a bit different. Yes. Did you, at the beginning, did you sit down and work out everything you needed to decide, like packaging and everything? Yes. Or did you just, as you went along, thought, oh, packaging? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, I suppose I'm quite an organised person. So um, I certainly, the first thing I did was was to create a list of everything that I need to do. Literally, it's it's all the little things that you don't really think of, like you say, suddenly, oh, packaging. But um I, I literally tried to cover everything and then all the research into it to make sure you're sourcing, you know, from, you know, good, reliable um, suppliers, et cetera. Um, so, no, I had a list and I kind of worked my way through it, really. And then obviously that helped them with your pricing, et cetera, because you know how much you're spending. So it kind of all then comes together. But, um, yeah, so, no, I had a list mm. I worked through. Were there a lot of um, costs at the beginning that you had to put in? Was there a big investment? Um. There was an investment. I wouldn't say it was a massive investment, but there certainly was. I mean, I've got the racking and I had to buy all the sweet jars to store the sweets in. Um, I've got, you know, a table that I do all my prep on, obviously all the right cleaning products for, you know, for food and hygiene um, and the training courses that you have to, you know, make sure you've registered um, insurance, etc. So there was a big, I suppose, startup one-off cost, yes. Um, I suppose... <sighs> not huge but enough that you had to have some money behind you yes um but you know I think I've got that back now which is lovely um so that's good but um no there certainly was an initial outlay to get it all set up and started and make sure I had all the equipment as such that I'd need yeah Mm. it's it's um it's very impressive because it's only a few months since you've thought of the idea and you're already producing and selling 
Um, yes. And uh, making, are you breaking even yet? Are you um, making profit even, yet? Yes. Yes. I have made, yes, I have made pretty. profit, yes. Yeah, that's incredible. Um, are you enjoying it? I that day. Yes. <laughs> I, I, do you know what? I, you know, I think like everybody in life, whatever they do, uh, I have good or bad days. Um, you know, I have emails and messages from customers which definitely boost my low days where I have a customer or somebody just found, has found my business online and gone, I can't believe you exist. This is amazing. You know, mm-hmm. I... I've never had pick and mix sweets the whole time I've been diagnosed with celiac or my children can't wait. And those little messages just boost you along and it's really lovely and it kind of motivates you really. Um, but largely good. I'd say good. I'm, I'm happy and I'm, and I'm pleased that I've set it up. Yeah, no, I think it's so far so good. Definitely. Yeah. Yes. And is it working out okay around your family? Are you finding time to do things like the washing up and the yes, food yes. Oh, <laughs> yes. and the never-ending washing um is definitely yeah. in this household for sure um yeah no I am you know I I think my children are still my priority um over my business um don't get me wrong obviously the business is there and I dedicate my time to it but I also dedicate time to my children um certainly when I pick them up from school the evenings I'm with them um you know I might pick up my phone and reply to a customer um but I'm not there bagging sweets and you know sorting out that element of it and the weekends if I have to work it's I make sure my husband can then do something with them and only for a couple of hours and then the rest of the weekend I try to spend with them really so I want that time with them you only get them once and they're only little ones Mm. so yeah definitely yes and they, yeah, they, you can, so you compartmentalize yes, really, you do um, work things during the day and yes, then you're, yes. you're with the children. Yeah, definitely. That's what I try to do. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds really good. Um, you, uh, how about all the regulations and because food hygiene, food must be a, an absolute minefield to go into. Yeah. So you, um, so I'm registered with the council. So for, um, you know, food hygiene, um, you have to take um, a couple of sort of uh, qualifications that you do for it to make sure that you're compliant. Um, you have to make sure you have the right, you know, hand soap to wash your hands. And, you know, obviously I've got hair nets and gloves and I wear a mask and, you know, all that element of it. So that again is you speak to the, um, the council really. So for food safety, whoever your officer is um, in your area. So, you know, they helped me out and I made sure I've complied with all of that. So that, that did take an element of the research side of things to make sure I had all of that right, obviously, because you don't, that's very key when you're handling food and you're passing it on to a consumer. You obviously have to get that <laughs> right. Um, yeah, so I did all the, the, you know, the required elements of that, um, you know, and make sure everything's kept, you know, completely clean, etc. So, um, yeah, no, it is, it is a, a little bit of a time consuming bit every day to make sure you do get that right. But um, it's a necessity as well. So, so the, the gluten free element, though, is handled at source at manufacturing. So you don't yes. need to, you just need to make sure you don't cross contaminate right. in the house. Yes. So there's no cross contamination. So everything's, um, the environment's completely gluten free um, and everything's stored completely gluten free. Um, so there's no risk of cross contamination, um, you know, when preparing the sweets at all. So um, yeah, it's all completely mm. safe for the celiacs. Yeah. It's such a good idea. I've got a few people who I know who are celiac. You mm. think, oh, that'd be quite a good Christmas present, yeah. wouldn't it? You know, to send to them because one of them, I was, I, I tried to send her a gluten free cake at one point, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> when she's going through a difficult time, and I think I managed it, but generally I wait until I see her, but she yes. lives miles away. Oh yeah. So it's it's a nice a nice present. To, yeah, to it is. Send. Yeah, yeah. No, I have quite a few gifts that go to you know various different um, locations. It is a niche market to an extent, isn't it? Really. So. Mm. 
Well, in my in um, the previous bit, which you won't have heard, when I'm talking with Tamsin, she's talked about how you set up a business, and she said to try and drill down into the sort of niche and what it is yeah. that you're either really interested in yes. or that makes you stand out. Yes, definitely. and this is a sort of a niche product that you have a personal interest in because your daughter. Oh, 100 um, percent. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. No, I think it's um, I you know certainly for me, my daughter's only five, and I don't want her to have to miss out because somebody's having a piece of chocolate cake and she can't have it I will always I love baking so I will always make sure she is not left out of something and you know what sweets are another thing when you're five actually they're quite a big thing when you're five mm-hmm. sweets um so actually having that that she can have is brilliant you know so it, it is important actually those little things in life are very important to make you feel like everybody else why should you feel different yeah. just because you have celiac disease you shouldn't you know Yes, mm. yes. Um, so would you have any advice for anyone else setting up a business or think you're setting up a business? I think, like you say, find a niche or find something that you are passionate about, um, that you truly believe in. Because I think if you don't have that passion, you're not going to have that drive for that business. Um, and certainly for me, it's finding, making sure you find that if you're, if you're a mother or a father, making sure you find time to have that balance of your children and the business. Um and and really go for it is my I do I do think you know what go for things you only get this life once um you know mm. give it a go and you know just have that passion behind you and I think you will succeed off you know off that really so yeah oh well thank you very much Sarah oh, no and good luck with, good luck with the rest of it I'm sure you'll thank be expanding you. very soon and you'll be employing an army of um uh, you know <laughs> nine to <laughs> ten to two mums to come and do some packaging for you yeah <laughs> you never know <laughs> yeah well oh, good lovely. luck with that thank, thank you, you. Well, I hope you enjoyed that and that you're inspired if uh, making money from home is something that you would like to do, or if you have any great ideas for businesses that you could set up. Um, I don't think we mentioned very much, but you you need to register your name with um, HMRC, with the tax department. And actually, I've got my own company called Purple Stars Consultancy, and it was going to be called something else, which I thought about for ages. But when I went online to register, the name had already been taken. So, um, yes, so check out, check out if your name's available. And also you get quite a lot of help doing your online tax. I do my own taxes. Um, not that there's much going through and it's not it's not that tricky. Uh, I also wanted to say that if you are someone who is actually just full time looking after children, particularly small children, that that is enough. And that's a very important role in itself that I feel there is a sense that we need to be doing something else as mothers to justify our existence. But actually looking after the home and looking after children, bringing children up is really important in itself. So I don't think that we should feel that we have to do more. But if you do want to do more or need to do more, then um, I hope this has given you some ideas. Well, I have no more thoughts on the state of nation today because this is a very long podcast and you you might not remember what where you were when you first started listening to it. Anyway, just to say, um, I am on social media as Mothers Matter podcast on Instagram and Facebook. I don't do very much on there, so it's not very arduous if you want to follow me. Um, 
and on Twitter at Podcast Mothers. It's at Podcast Mothers. And my email, as I said, is mothersmatter at outlook.com. And I am I have put together a sheet with links to all of the job sites that Elizabeth mentioned. Uh, people say, please rate and review the podcast if you can. That would help other people to find it. And I'd like to say thank you to James Ede, who is my uh, producer, who I actually found through Upwork, which is one of the jobs uh, sites that we mentioned. But thank you to James for um, helping so much with the podcast. And uh, to Squadcast, which is this uh, podcasting um, software that I used. So thank you. I'll be back soon. I've already recorded the next podcast, which is on the menopause. So I just need to edit that, put it together and upload it. Thank you and bye.